there, Rep Divers. We are very excited today to introduce you to Lamont Lewis. Lamont is the current Chief Operating Officer of Einstein Physicians at Jefferson Medical Group. And he has an extreme amount of knowledge, not only on the clinical side, but also, and most currently, in revenue cycle management from a proactive standpoint. If you've read MGMA's Connection Magazine, then you probably saw his article in the October issue, which was so astounding that Kem and I absolutely had to chase him down to chat about it. So Lamont, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Yeah, so thank you so much. <laughs> we are so excited to chat with you and, and, you know, and to talk to our rev divers about KPIs and the importance of being proactive and the level of emphasis that you have placed on KPIs, you know, identifying financial variances through informative reports, through dashboards, and the types of initiatives that really make those rev cycle experts and those finance geeks kind of just get excited get all in the data. So, you know, in your role as COO of Einstein Physicians and what you're doing, what drove you to this proactive approach to tracking KPIs? Uh, first of all, long career of, of uh, mistakes and lessons learned. Um, but, you know, one of the things as a leader coming into an organization um, is looking at the spectrum of how far from reactive to proactive the organization is. And I always view that as, as my role in moving us on that pendulum closer to being as proactive as we can. Uh, when I arrived four years ago, uh, the only metrics that I saw um, on our P&Ls were visits and, and dollar signs. And so to have some context as to, you know, where are we from a dollar value per visit, per service, um, what's impacting that? Uh, we just really didn't have a lot ar around that. So from an operational perspective, uh, I felt it was very necessary to create the KPIs. Um, we brought in a new process called FORMS, which is Financial Operational Revenue or Review Meetings, um, which is a slide deck of the most salient key metrics, I believe, um, that impact performance in managing medical practices. And so putting that process in where a chair and administrator every month presents um, that slide deck. And we look at things from vacancies to P&Ls, KPIs, NPR per work RVU, and then explain variances to NPR per work RVU, explain variances to revenues and explain variances to expenses. And then of course, we look at all of the capacity data um, and access to care data, as well as patient experience. And so the combination of all of those things allow us to have a dialogue with our physician and administrative leaders in all of our practices on an ongoing basis so that we can be proactive in managing our organization. Well, that's awesome. You know, it, it's, it's very refreshing to see a COO deep dive into financial management and um, kind of tie that into operational leadership the way that you have. Um, the way that you've kind of explained the, the different reports that you use, the, the formulas, the KPIs um, that, that you've really focused on to, to, deep, to deep dive into revenue cycle management and financial leadership. You know, I, I would say that in the industry, most folks kind of expect that from a CFO. Um, from a COO's perspective, we'd love to hear, um, you know, your your philosophy on digging deeper and, and being proactive with financial leadership? 
Sure. Um, I'm kind of a data geek. Um, so I, I love uh, factual discussions more so than anecdotal. Um, I will also say that probably a lesson learned um, probably 15 years ago was working for Ten at a for-profit company. One of the few times in my career that I worked for a shareholder value focused organization and very focused on the bottom line of the business that we, we do. I think it was very valuable in enhancing further the, the insight to the financial aspects of what is going right and or wrong. And so the lessons of monthly reports and, and um, discussions in Dallas at the corporate office about our performance compared to other organizations was very valuable. Uh, I've maintained that, continue to do that, working with other organizations like Lehigh Valley with that focus. And I think it's very important that as the ultimate leader of the organization, I represent our company in board meetings um, and other more senior leadership um, committees and need to be able to talk fairly intelligently about what's going on in our organization. And so from that perspective, um, I think it's very important uh, as I talk with administrators and, and teach the aspects of reading just PL 101, um, looking at what occurs with denials and what happens on the back end of the revenue cycle, what things may impact us that may delay cash or things that may impact us on a long term. So if we're talking in forms and we're behind in visits or dollars, and it's because we had a unexpected causal leave of absence with a physician that wasn't budgeted, then the question is, that's a short-term problem. We'll get back to budget and potentially could make up. But if it's something that occurred where a physician unexpectedly resigned and they're starting to teeter down on their volumes and we don't have a replacement coming, now we need to understand the impact of that for the remainder of this fiscal year and how do we adjust to those variables. Um, and that, that may be those causal effects, but what happens when um, we rely upon a group of um, unemployed physicians that refer to us in the community and that practice gets bought by a competitor? And so that volume goes away from us. How do we make that up? And can we make that up? And if not, what do we do about it? Do we now start to look at reducing our resources because the demand is not there? Or do we go back out and do we take market share from someone else? So I think all of those strategic discussions um, come back to where are we currently compared to what we said we would be from a budget or strategy perspective. And um, how are we doing? And if we're not doing well, why are we not doing well? To me, is the more important question than we're not off. Um, and so I, I would say also, and I'm not sure if I put it in the article, one other item that we created here is, is when I arrived, we have an EP finance committee of a lot of physician and executive leaders. And anytime there's a new position, a replacement position, a new program to be considered and approved, it comes to this committee. We vet it. We have a very nice format that we've set that are basic standards. Physicians need to be performing above the 60th percentile. The practice needs to be near or close to budget. Um, what is the access data? All of those factors are the front before the PL and the presentation. And so I asked the question. So over the previous years, we come to this meeting 7 a.m. every Friday morning and we approve these positions. How do we know what we're doing against them? And so I worked with our finance to go back two fiscal years 
and recapture every approved position and embed the PL in a large spreadsheet. And so now every month we update for the previous two years, every decision we've made and the PLs that were originally given to us. And I know every single month how we're doing two years later compared to what we said we would be doing. And so I think that's extremely valuable um, when we have monthly calls with the presidents of the hospitals and because they at times have support dollars that come in that we look at how we're doing and it's a responsibility issue. It's about holding ourselves accountable to performing what we said we would do. And look, if we're two years in and we thought we'd be at break even and we're still at a loss position, we need to change that dynamic. So how do we do that? And it becomes a discussion with the physician and administrative leader in those departments. So in order to do these things, and to plan and to grow and to get better. Uh, it's important from my perspective that the COO know these things, help drive these discussions because the decisions on strategy and growth sit with at, at my level along with other leaders in the organization. You know, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that there's so much crossover um, obviously, right, between operations and finance, but a lot of times those discussions aren't being held together, and you have really established a way of looking at so much in detail that it's going to help on both sides of the fence. You know, one of the things that we're really seeing a challenge with right now in the industry is staffing and recruiting and retention of staff. You know, we, we are seeing rising salary costs. We're seeing um, crazy bonuses for, for hiring of new staff, and since you've been so successful, you know, incorporating all these operational KPIs and tracking that information, um, I think I think we're just both kind of curious to know what are those operational trends or staffing trends that you're seeing that you've uncovered as a result. Well, I will tell you twofold. So I'll talk about the impact of COVID and what we're dealing with from a vacancy perspective now, which is no different for us than anyone else in our industry and in other industries today. Um, but it first started with, I have a created algorithm around staffing profiles for medical practices, right? Um, it's always backing into numbers. How many PSRs or people at the front desk do we need to process the volume that comes in by session, by provider every day? Um, so there's a created tool. And then the second is we want to ensure that we have at least a one-to-one -one correlation of MAs or LPNs or clinical support to every provider, not just physicians, but APCs, even residents if we have a teaching uh, organization. So I funneled this product out to all of our VPs and our, our leadership to look at our staffing to ensure that we're staffed correctly to be able to produce the outcomes that we say we're going to do. As I'm in anecdotal discussions with different physicians, say, look, Lamont, you know, I struggle. I can't see as many patients as we'd like because of, and, and I think that's our job, find ways of putting things around our physicians for them to be successful. So we started there in order to get the staffing ratios correct at the level that we should. And you know, when you're looking at the front desk, it's truly about a metric of, it takes roughly five minutes for registration in this system. And if you take a seven hour position, divide the volume per day by, we need X amount of PSRs at the front desk. And then there are the other duties that they may do, add those things in and come up with reasonable testing. So we, we started there. Now, talking about the vacancies, what we have experienced through COVID, you know, we went through, you know, shutting down the practices at a period where we were probably doing less than 5% of any telehealth visits because it wasn't a reimbursed service prior to COVID. 
to where we were as high during the height of the pandemic at 80% telehealth visits and less than 20% of in-office visits. So we did the furloughs of, of individuals. We shifted to telehealth, um, which re reduced the need for the staffing as much as we did in the office. But when we went back to opening our offices in roughly about September, October of last year, 2020, um, we started to see that people weren't necessarily coming back to work. We saw that the demand for homeschooling, the demand for um, many other things at home, daycare, et cetera, um, took, and, and I've seen physicians leave our industry, not just staff leave our industry. So that's been our experience. Um, and so we really got around it in, in several different ways. So we looked at bonuses, we've implemented bonuses, sign-on bonuses, um, retention bonuses for our staff. We pretty much every year with our HR partners and colleagues do a market analysis. So we've kept up with the market and we've invested, I will tell you, um, you know, seven figures over the last two years in this infrastructure, be it administrative, clinical, or front desk staff. Um, I was charged with our president to create a SMART goal for vacancies for the two highest areas, which are MAs and PSRs, to try to get us to 10% or less vacancy rate across the organization. We've been doing that since about May. Um, I can tell you in August, September, we were as high as 32% vacancy at MAs, which is critical for maintaining clinical services. We have had in some of our primary care practices have to close down sessions because of the lack of some of the staffing around the physicians to be able to do so. Um, to a level, I think we had about 40 sessions in September. We hired some people, dropped that down to the mid 20s and it's getting better. Now we've been able to get our front desk staff within the 10% goal for the last four months running and we're there. Um, our primary care, that was as high as 30, 33, 34% dropped to 20% over last month. So we're getting better. Our largest physician company in Epi um, is about 12%, 13%. So we're much closer with that as well. So the combinations of market increases of salaries, um, sign-on bonuses, uh, referral bonuses, retention bonuses. And one of um, our VPs we, we tasked, she did a wonderful job with a company called, I think it's care.com, which we invested um, and this company, I think there's up to five episodes a year. So during this time period, if we have, let's say, a single mother um, with two children and one of the children gets sick today, they can't take them to the daycare, we get a call out for that individual. So this prevents that from happening in that this company will get them daycare, bring someone into the house, et cetera. We don't pass that cost onto our staff. So, you know, we're innovatively thinking of ways, how can we help this situation with all of the dynamics that's hitting our staff? And this is available to not only our staff, but our physicians as well. And so we just launched that in November and that has taken place and we're gonna trial that for a year. Um, and if it's successful and valuable to us, we'll continue that into future years. Bravo, bravo, that is yeah. amazing. You know. Lamont, you have such a wealth of knowledge and your, your career and everything that you've done in, in the industry is very commendable. Um, you know, our listeners um, are individuals who really could value, I think, would take value in words of wisdom from someone like you with your 
tenure in the in the industry, um, you know, we're we're moving out of 2021, which has been you know a roller coaster ride, and going into 2022, you know, we have we have a a, a lot of you know some folks have some trepidation about what to look out for in 2022. Do you have any predictions or just advice um, based on your experience in leadership in healthcare that you would share with our rev divers? Well, I have a couple of theories that I could share. Uh, number one is never accept mediocrity. Um, you know, from, from my view, I'm entrusted with the fiduciary responsibility of providing for the needs of a community. Um, we in North Philadelphia are a very underrepresented community, mostly African-American, Latino, Latina uh, community. And so the health disparities that are out there, um, the social disparities, all of those things come into our market. Not everybody serves those types of markets. But for us, we take it very serious um, as an institution, our commitment to our community. And so if there's a community that demands services from us, we need to provide the best service possible to them. Um, so I would always say, you know, don't be afraid to say this is not acceptable and we need to be better. And so that comes with the responsibility of always pushing your teams and yourself to be better. Um, from my perspective, you only get better from learning from lessons of the past. Um, you know, my president made a joke one day as I've been on board for years, and every time an issue comes up, I say, you know what, I've got one or two models for that. When I was at Phoenix Children's Hospital, or I was at St. Christopher's Hospital, or, and so every time something comes up, he says, wait, let me guess, you have something from Phoenix Children's Hospital. I said, well, no, not Phoenix Children's Hospital, but from Greater Southeast or another. I think it's important that as you go throughout your career, you keep the things that you've been familiar with, the lessons learned, um, how you were able to get better through that process. Getting better to me is all about how hard someone is willing to work to find solutions. Um, I say that there's never been a problem that I've not been able to resolve in my career. Um, and it's not because I'm so smart or so great in, in it. And it is in part because I have great people around me and the insight to hire great people is another contributing factor, but it is in not stopping when the first idea you have doesn't work out. You just have to continue. You have to look at it differently. And I tell people, take all the blinders off. If you, if you think like the airline industry, or if you take lessons from other industries and how they do what they do, you'd be amazed at how well you could transform that to healthcare and get great outcomes. So from my perspective, never accept mediocrity and never stop working to find solutions because that's what you owe to the community that you serve. Wow. I mean, talk about words of wisdom. Lamont, thank you so much for sharing your time, your expertise with us. Um, we really appreciate you. And we're also so glad to be able to um, call upon someone like you with your experience um, and your, your vast knowledge to, to, to be here with us today. Um, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate your time today. Um, and Rev Divers, thanks so much for joining us. Until we meet again, keep diving into those Rev Cycles. <laughs>